Thank you for tuning in to RTM Nation Online, where we believe that you will receive the abundance of peace, prosperity, security, stability, health, healing, and truth. If you would like to learn more about the ministry, click the link below. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. Now let's get into the message. We also talked about how we believe that the Bible is also the word of God. Okay. We talked about how our foundation is made stable based on what we believe. We talked about the names of God and understanding who God is. We made some declarations about our Bible um, being personal to us, and we also had a confession stating just that. And then you were asked a question, have you made God your God? All the things that we have talked about have been like building blocks. Daniel, can you put the slide up? If you guys recall that slide, it shows all of our lives being supported by a foundation that includes the Bible, and it also tells us about God and his kingdom. You also remember that all of the items that sit on top of that foundation, like peace, joy, love, prayer, healing, and health, that they can't stand on an unstable foundation. So today we're going to continue in that same vein. We're going to talk about an element that weaves in and out of our spiritual foundation, and that's trust, specifically trust in God. You see, a lot of the challenges that we have in our relationship and building our relationship with God comes back to trust issues. So today we're going to aim to uncover those things in our lives that truly keep us from believing and trusting in God. And through that, un through that uncovering, we'll also begin the process of truly casting our cares to God and not taking those cares back. Don't you guys just want to be in that position of continual peace in your heart and your life? Don't you want to enjoy your life? Well, we're going to get some answers that's going to help put us on that path to doing just that. We're going to go ahead and pray. Father. Thank you for this day that you have given us. We look forward to your word that will go forth and have an immediate impact on your people. I decrease in order that you may increase. Use me as your vessel. Think through me, speak through me. I surrender myself to you so that your people will be blessed. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Some of y'all might be like, I'm trying to use good English today. Some of you guys... <laughs> might be like, why are we talking about this topic? I've heard the topic of trust before. Besides, I trust God. We need to move on to something else. Well, to those people who say I have heard this before, I got a scripture for you. We're going to turn over to Romans 10 and verse 17 out of the King James Version. It reads this way. So then faith cometh by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. You see, family, we should never allow our mind to convince you, your mind, excuse me, you should never allow your mind to convince you that to ignore a word from God because you've heard the topic before. God's word is potent. Remember, his word is alive. That same word, <laughs> that same word can feed you in various places right where you are. 
that same word will speak to you to your spirit differently depending on where you are in your life season. Plus, it just told us faith comes by hearing. Each time you hear the word of God, your faith should be increasing. So it says, so then faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So every time, like I said, you hear a word, your faith should be increasing. And for those of you who say, why can't we just move past this? Let's talk about some more peace, joy, love. Well, to that, I say that if you trusted God, you'd have all the peace, love, and joy you could think of in abundance, more than you could imagine, dream, or think of. So in saying that, I want to urge you not to become like those itching ear Christians. You know, people seeking to be moved by a new revelation, the popular buzz, or a fresh word. The Bible talks of a time when believers will have those itching ears, just wanting to hear what they want to hear. I'm going to read that scripture to you also. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to read verses 2 through 4 out of the easy-to-read version. It said, tell everyone God's message. Be ready at all times to do whatever is needed. Tell people what they need to do. Tell them when they are doing wrong and encourage them. Do this with great patience and careful teaching. The time will come when people will not listen to true teaching, but people will find more and more teachers who please them. They will find teachers who say what they want to hear. People will stop listening to the truth. They will begin to follow the teachings and false stories. Family, let's not become those itching ears type of people. Never shut off your attention when God talks, because when God is involved, even a word you have previously heard can turn your entire life around for the better, if you have ears to hear. God's word is always fresh. It may not be popular, but it is always exactly what you need. His word is always revelating because every scripture is God-breathed. We're going to also read that scripture when it talks about every scripture being inspired by God. And that's in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. We're going to read that from the message version. It says, but don't let it face you. Stick with what you've learned and believed. Sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why? You took in the sacred scriptures with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. Showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped for the task God has for us. Family, God wants us at a kingdom trust level. This is where he wants to take us. But it takes a level of trust beyond our casual belief. You know, even though our trust level may not be up to what God prefers, I'm glad that he still deems us worthy of his care and allows us the latitude to get ourselves right. What great grace. Grace is a wonderful thing. 
but we must not use our access to grace as a crutch for us not trusting God. Trust is everything. So we're going to define trust. As a noun, trust is reliance on the integrity, strength, ability, surety of a person or thing. Confidence, confident expectation of something is hope. As a verb, trust is to rely upon or place confidence in something or someone to trust in another's honesty, to have confidence or hope. So together, whether trust is used as a verb or now, it involves the reliance on something or someone. So the key component concerning any sentence that you use the word trust is, it's about whom or in what that subject places his or her confidence or reliance on. As believers, we should trust God. I feel confident in saying this, that if you were to take a journey through your past, you, you find that many of the negative situations that you've found yourself in trace back to you. By that I mean the issue was either solvable or avoidable altogether at first. However, you took it upon yourself to solve the problem instead of trusting God. You decided to do things your own way instead of trusting God. You decided to follow worldly or some other counsel instead of God. You elected to say yes when God said no, or no when God said yes because you did not trust him. The bottom line is you should have trusted God. I want to pause here. Even with, even with making that statement, um, you know how the Bible tells us that God will never leave us? So even when we were out there making those wrong decisions, he still had his hand on us because those situations could have been worse. Yeah. If you truly, truly look back, whether it was, because first I was thinking, God, is that like after we heard about you? He was like, no, I had my hand on you all the time, all along. So even with going back to those past decisions that weren't so positive, it's good to know that even still God, God was with you then. So now, you know, we just got to do our part. That's up to us to make that choice. Okay? All right. So, you know, I was going to say the bottom line is you should have trusted him, but, you know, you didn't. As a result, you found yourself in a pickle, some situations. I would even go further to say, if you think about situations you're in right now, some of them are a result because you're not trusting God. What does not trusting God mean? It means not following the wisdom you read in the Bible, not adhering to the insight you get from preachers, teachers, evangelists, and others who bring a true word from God, not heeding to the word God gives you during times of prayer and communion with him and so forth. We talk about a relationship with God. Well, trust in any relationship is foundational. When you meet a person and you start talking to that person, you don't just blindly extend your trust to them, your complete trust. Pastor Benjamin taught a message on being trustworthy. Do y'all remember that message? He said that we must determine if the per person is worthy of our trust. And that determination comes through spending time with them and then to deem if that person is trustworthy, basically. Well, family, I can tell you that I know God is trustworthy. 
How do I know that? Because my Bible tells me so. Notice I didn't say the Bible. I said my Bible tells me so. And guess what? I believe my Bible. I also know he's trustworthy because I've spent time with him, making him my God. I have tasted and seen that he is mmm, mmm, good. <laughs> I heard y'all singing that in corporate prayer. <laughs> See, trust doesn't come through osmosis. <laughs> trust does not come from, through a casual or infrequent interactions. We develop trust because we make a, we don't develop trust because we make a wish, you know, like rubbing that bottle, the genie on the bottle, and it just comes to pass. The development of trust requires a deliberate action on our part. That action is believing. God is who the Bible says he is, and then stepping out on that belief. I have a few actions here. I'm trying to contain myself, not yell them out at y'all. That action is listening to the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, giving you guidance. That action, action is asking God, what are his plans for your day? That action is spending time with him, talking to him, listening to him. That action is spending time in his word to learn about him, how he thinks, and what he says about you. That action is knowing in your heart that God loves you and has your best interest at heart. That action is believing that even though you cannot see the solution, you still act out on what you believe God is telling you to do. That list can go on and on. But I want you to see that the, the point I want you to see is that trust in God is not just a mind exercise. Trust results in actions. And to say it differently, a person who really trusts God moves as God instructs. If God says go, they go. If God says don't go, they don't go. If God says do, they do. If God says don't do, they don't do. God says speak, they speak. God says remain silent, they do not say a word. Not even when every fiber of your being wants to give everybody an earshot a piece of your mind. Not even when you know you're right and want to say it in that person's face and rub it in. When God says do not speak, you keep silent. Even holding back those four juicy little words we love to say, I told you so. James said it this way. We're going to go to James chapter 2, and we're going to read um, verses 14 through 26 out of the message version. It says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. 
You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God and then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoke partners, that faith expresses itself in works, that the works are, that the works, are works of faith? The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes his action. And that mesh of believing and acting, that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God, not by bearing faith, but by faithful, faith fruitful in works? The same with Rahab, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape that seamless unity of believing and doing what counted with God? The very, moment you, the very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with the corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. James is using the words faith and works, but for our purpose, the principle of what I want you to get, the principle still holds. As a side note, keep in mind that James is not talking about us working our way into God's right standing. We cannot work our way into salvation. Jesus finished that work. What is pertinent to our discussion is the way James links the God in us with the actions we take. What James is saying, if God is in you, that evidence should show in God working through you. In other words, God on the inside expresses himself on the outside. Repeat after me. Trust God. Trust in God. Trust in God. Produces, evidence produces evidence that testifies, that testifies of itself. Of when you say you trust God, you are committing to line up your life with his will. Excuse, yeah, with God's will. Let me say that the right way. And his ways. Hmm. You know, God can be trusted. And if you take the time to know him for yourself, you will find him trustworthy. So I want to take you through some scriptures that talks about God being trustworthy. We got a lot of scriptures today, y'all. So we're going to start in Psalms 111. And in this particular passage, David is speaking of God's goodness. This is out of the Amplified Classic. It says, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I will praise you and give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the counsel of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all those who have delight in him. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and full of loving compassion. He has given food and provision to those who reverently and worshipfully fear him. He will remember his covenant forever and imprint it on his mind. He has declared and shown to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations of Canaan. The works of his hands are absolute, truth and justice, faithful and right. And all his decrees and precepts are sure, fixed, established, trustworthy. They stand fast and are established forever and ever and are done in absolute truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people, 
He has commanded his covenant to be forever. Holy is his name, inspiring awe, reverence, and godly fear. The reverent fear and worship of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and skill, the preceding and the first essential, the prerequisite and the alphabet. A good understanding, wisdom, and meaning have all those who do the will of the Lord. Their praise of him endures forever. We're also going to go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. In this particular passage, um, God is speaking to Cyrus, who's a Persian, and he's anointing him to go out on an assignment. And God was explaining to Cyrus that even though Cyrus didn't know God, God knew him. So it's a long passage. We're going we're gonna to pick up at verse 18. Before that, God is just telling him who he is, but he just kind of amplifies it down at the bottom. So we're going to start in verse 18. Isaiah 45, verse 18, out of the message version. If I get to it. It says, God, creator of the heavens, he is, remember, God, maker of earth. He put it on his foundations, built it from scratch. He didn't go to all that trouble to just leave it empty, nothing in it. He made it to be lived in. This God says, I am God, the one and only. I don't just talk to myself or mumble under my breath. I never told Jacob, seek me in emptiness and dark nothingness. I am God. I work out in the open, saying what's right, setting things right. So gather around, come on in, all you refugees and castoffs. They don't seem to know much, do they? Those who carry around their no-God blocks of wood praying for help to a dead stick. So tell me what you think. Look at the evidence. Put your hands together. Make your case. Who told you, and a long time ago, what's going on in, on here? Who made sense of things for you? Wasn't I the one? God? It had to be me. I'm the only God there is. The only God who does things right and knows how to help. So turn to me and be helped. Saved, everyone. Whoever and wherever you are. I promise in my own name, every word out of my mouth does what it says. I never take back what I say. Everyone is going to end up kneeling before me. Everyone is going to end up saying of me, yes, salvation and strength are in God. All who have raged against him will be brought before him, disgraced by their unbelief, and all who are connected with Israel will have a robust praising, good life in God. All of these scriptures are just referencing, you know, reinfor reinforcing who God is. And there's another one that talks about God has given us everything we need. We're going to turn over the first, first Corinthians chapter one. And we're going to look at that in the message version. We're going to look at verses four through nine. It reads, every time I think of you, and I think of you often, I thank God for your lives of free and open access to God given by Jesus. There's no end to what happened in you. It's beyond speech, beyond knowledge. The evidence of Christ has been clearly verified in your lives. Just think, you don't need a thing. You got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master, Jesus, to arrive on the scene for the finale. And not only that, but God himself is right alongside you, 
alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are wrapped up by Jesus. God, who got you started in the spiritual adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. And I also want to read a, a passage that talks, where it talks about God keeping his promises. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. It's, I'm going to read it out of the easy-to-read version, and it's verses 18 through 22. <laughs> it says, but if you can believe God, then you can believe what we tell you is never both yes and no. The Son of God, Jesus Christ, is the one that Silas Timothy and I told you about was not yes and no. In Christ, it has always been yes. The yes to all of God's promises is in Christ. And that is why we say amen through Christ to the glory of God. And God is the one who makes you and us strong in Christ. God is also the one who chose us for his work. He put his mark on us to show that we are his. Yes, he put his spirit in our hearts as the first payment that guarantees all that he will give us. And just to line that scripture up with him talking about the Holy Spirit being the guarantee, um, if you turn over the first Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 23 through 24, I'm going to read that out of the voice version. Am I going too fast? Are y'all getting this? Okay. Which one? Okay. Well, we're at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 23, 24 right now. And it reads, So now, may the God of peace make you his own completely and set you apart from the rest. May your spirit, soul, and body be preserved, kept intact and wholly free from any sort of blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus the Anointed. For the God who calls you is faithful, and he can be trusted to make it so. I, wish, I just went over these scriptures to let you know that there, in our, in our Bible, there are scriptures that describe God and how he is trustworthy. You know, we've already established that if we believe our Bible, these scriptures just help reinforce that God is true to his word. So I asked God some questions. I was like, God, what is it in us not making the necessary changes to give all of ourselves to give you everything. What is it that hinders our trust in you? He dropped one word in my spirit. That word is control. You see, God gave us a free will to choose. And so our human nature takes that to another level. Relinquishing control of our lives is our biggest obstacle. I'm going to speak about me. I know for me it felt like a physical battle going on with what my will in my mind versus God. I want to control in every area of my life. To even say it differently, I felt like I needed to be in control. I felt like, don't nobody know me better than me? That's crazy, right? When you look back at it and when you think about it, because how are you going to tell the person that created you that they know you, that, that they don't, that you know yourself better? That's, that's, I started thinking about that. I was like, ooh. But that's what about, but basically that's what about all of our non-trusting actions say. 
when we don't do what God tells us to do, we're not giving God control in our lives. We're saying that we know what's best for us. And if y'all think about it, y'all know that's backwards. Because we're not consulting God on his plan for us because we have our own plan. Think about that. What are you doing? What are you doing? Repeat after me. I like these butts. But now, now, God, God, I truly truly give you full control. I relinquish relinquish myself myself and will will to you. you. I surrender surrender my life life to your plan plan for my life. life. When I need help, help, God, God, I will ask you. I I thank you, God, for loving me enough enough to work with me me while the me me that I have becomes becomes the me me you want me to be. be. Today is about us recognizing where we stand with God and if we're not trusting him and then making a decision today to trust him. Another way I want you to think about it is I want you to have a firm grip on him. Repeat after me. Trusting God means keeping a firm grip on him. I want to share something with you. And it has to do with the image you're going to see before you. And the image is of a steering wheel with hands placed on it and in a position of 10 and 2. When you think about a clock, think of 10 and 2. You see, I made a decision I wanted to become the person God wanted me to be. I wanted a closer relationship with him. So God began to show me areas where I didn't fully trust him. And that insight helped me to make the necessary changes. As we were preparing for our women's conference this year, um, and Pastor Deborah was talking about the conference sessions being at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m., as she continued to talk, God showed me this image. And here's what I saw. I saw an image of a clock with the placement of the hands at the 10 and 2 positions. Then God began to speak. He expounded and said, imagine a clock being a steering wheel. When a person learns to drive, they are instructed to place their hands at the 10 and 2 position. Why? Because at 10 and 2, the driver has full control of the car and is able to see what is taking place from all views. The commitment to maintaining that position keeps the driver ready and prepared for any sudden turns, shifts, or stops. He says, now imagine that I am the steering wheel. You are the driver. And the placement of your hands at 10 and 2 is you holding on to me securely. As you look forward with your hands securely on me, I will guide you in the direction you are to go. Your journey through life is smoother. Failing to maintain a two-handed grip, especially holding onto me loosely with with just one hand is not ideal. It requires more of your own effort to maneuver through life and reduces your ability to react to unexpected events that occur around you. Life happens fast. And as any professional race car driver can verify, grasping the wheel with two hands is the best strategy for retaining control and having a successful race. 
Likewise, keep your hands securely on me and I will guide you through life. This 10 and 2 analogy is about us holding on to God with both hands, keeping a firm grip on him. The image depicts just that. It's the way we are to always hold on to God. Months after God spoke this to me, I began to think, you know, how things change. You know, from one generation to the next, they come up with all these new road studies, new rules. Some say nine and three. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point is you just need to hold on to God. I ain't debating all of these studies that's out there that say which way to hold a steering wheel. The key is keep both hands on them, okay? <laughs> we having a debate about whether well, this studies no. So what's even more awesome about this revelation to me is because it's personal, because God knew I learned to drive at 10 and 2. So he was able to speak that personal to, into my spirit because if the times had been at nine and three, that probably it would have maybe not peaked in my spirit. But that's how personal God is. He'll talk to you where you are. Okay. So I looked up the word grip because that, the word grip kept coming in, in my spirit. And the definition of grip is the act of grasping and holding fast with a firm grip, with a firm grasp. I mean, think about holding something so tight that it can't be snatched out of your hands no matter, I mean, they like got to drag you with that thing, whatever that is that they're trying to take from you. That's how God wants us holding on to him. He wants our focus so into him that all we see is him and he's direct. He's taking us where we need to go. That the scripture that talks of what reminds me of that is him talking about what can separate his love, nothing. So I want to read that scripture um, in Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39 out of the message version. Yes. You can have it. You can put it down. It reads, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, moment sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in scripture. They kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks. They pick us off one by one. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. God has a firm grip on us. We need to have a firm grip on him. Also in Hebrews chapter 10, 
and verse 22. This is out of the Message Bible. It says, so let's do it, full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as if we see the big day approaching. Us holding firm in God means that we trust him. So I have a question for you. What causes you to take your hands off the wheel or your focus on God? Is it fear? Your children? Trying to be everything for everybody? Moving everybody and everything else off your schedule to be with that special someone? Your man, your woman, your boo? <laughs> Other relationships? Work? The pursuit of whatever? It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing should be more important than your relationship between you and God. Not just God, but your God. I have an exercise that I want us to do. Um, we're going to talk about that, but before we do, basically, you know yourself. You know your situation. Through this exercise today, we're going to truly, like, give it over to God, though. We're going to truly turn it over. You should have received a piece of paper when you came in the sanctuary, like a little, um, what do you call them, sticky note? Okay. Did everybody get one? Does everybody have one? Okay. On this piece of paper, you're going to write down that thing, or you're not going to put your name on it. You're going to write down that thing or things that, you, that, help, that takes your focus off of God. And by us doing this, we're going to acknowledge, that we're going to begin the process of trusting God. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. You got to be honest. This is between you and God, and you know what that thing is. You're, you're asking God, you're telling God that I need help in this area. I need you to help me. And this is go it's going to be to a point of whenever that situation or itself arises, this day will be a reminder of the day that you decided to give it to God and step out with asking him for help to get rid of it completely. This process that we're going to do, it aligns with 1 Peter chapter 5 and 7, ch chapter 5, verse 7, where it says, I'm, I'm reading out the Amplified Classic. It says, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So we're just going to take a moment to do that. Daniel, I don't see him. Daniel, can you start some music? And if some of you are challenged about what this is, I'll go back and expound on some things. Maybe it'll bring some things to your remembrance. When we talk about fear, what are you afraid of? Is it fear of failure? Is it fear of the unknown? Is it fear in the area of your finances where 
there's not enough? What area there have you not truly given to God? Fear. Your children. God gave us these gifts of children, and we're supposed to raise them up to serve him, and, um, and he tells us what to impart in them so they can fulfill their purpose here on this earth. We got to trust God knows what he's doing. So when we say we give our children to him, we can't go and try to still hold on to every little thing they do that, that takes you all out of the will. You're not focused on them. I mean, of God, because you're so worried about this 30-year-old who's still doing whatever. But if you trust God and God knows the plan for that 30-year-old, that's, that's what you're trusting on, trusting in God trying to be everything for everyone. All these roles we play, wife, mom, husband, father, whatever those roles, it's, it's numerous. You can have all these titles put on you and you're focused on that, but not on God. It takes away, it takes you away from God. When you're setting aside everything for a person, but you're not setting aside that time for God. So he can tell you how to manage the situation with that person. He'll tell you, he can speak to you and tell you exactly what it is you need to do in those situations. Work, your career. Chasing that almighty dollar. At what cost? the pursuit of whatever it may be. The bottom line is, I guarantee you that nothing that you're writing down is worth your relationship with God. Nothing. You gotta put that in perspective. You gotta acknowledge where you are. And if you want to have the full potential of a relationship with God, you gotta put that stuff, when they say cast it to him, you gotta give it to him. And stop picking it back up. Keep in mind, just because you write it down, which is a form of acknowledging, you gotta, you gotta recognize where you are. You gotta be real. So, as we continue on, um, we're gonna actually do something with that, but we're gonna just move on. Yeah, when you tell God that you need help in that area of your life, you're trusting, you're starting a trust process with God. Because, you know, we want to be in a position where we can trust God completely. This is how I see it. As far as when I was reading Proverbs chapter 3, I always, that's one of my favorite passages because to me, trust is the foundational, that's, that's everything. Trust starts, or, or even believing when you make Jesus Lord of your life, that, that starts a process because you believed it. And we tend to do what we believe. So if you're saying that you believe God is God and the word of God, then our actions need to line up with that. That's a process. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 through 8, the easy to read version, it reads this way. Trust the Lord completely. And don't depend on your own knowledge. 
with every step you take, think about what he wants, and he will help you go the right way. Don't trust in your own wisdom, but fear and respect the Lord and stay away from evil. If you do this, it will be like a refreshing drink and medicine for your body. Those are goals. Those are relationship goals there. You hear the young people saying goals. That's a goal. That's a real goal. To have complete trust in God and that relationship is growing and you're building that relationship. I desire that close relationship, but I know I'm sure you do too. We just got to learn how to move the things out of the way that's keeping us from being in that position with God. God will meet you where you're at. You don't have to go back and redo anything or try to go back and reinvent the wheel. He'll meet you right where you are. I have something else I want you guys to say. Repeat after me. Father, Father we thank you for loving us so much. Father, we will cast out all of our anxieties, worries, worries fears, fears, and concerns of this life, of this life to, you, God. to you, God. God, we will not pick those cares back up. Father, Father, we will trust in you, trust in you completely, completely and allow you, and allow you full, dominion full dominion and control, and control in our life. In our life. We, relinquish we relinquish control, control to, you, God. to you, God. We look forward, look forward to, the to the fruit of joy, of joy peace, peace, stability, stability security, security, and confidence. And confidence as we trust in you, God. We look forward to enjoying the life you have planned for us. We love you, God. Amen. There's a song that speaks of how good God is, and I want us to leave here with that song resonating in our spirit. But before we sing that song, I want us to look at this image of this um, steering wheel again. After today, every time you get in your vehicle and drive and place your hands on that wheel, God's going to speak to you. He will say, 10 and 2, my child. Hold on to me tightly. I need y'all to stand on y'all feet. We're gonna, this is participation at this point. I'm going to make some statements, and when I say 10 and 2, y'all going to put your hands up. And that 10 and 2, everybody know 10 and 2? Just some, just some scenarios. But that, you know, we good. We all good. All right. When you are mad at your spouse and you get in that car, God will say 10 and 2. That will remind you to let him guide you and not your feelings. When your children are not acting right and you get in that car, God's going to say, 10 and 2. And that's, that will remind you to let him guide you and not your feelings. When you are unhappy at work and you get in that car, 10 and 2. And that will remind him to let, you, let him guide you 
and not your feelings. Y'all, we got to get out our feelings. No matter what the situation or circumstances that come to get you out of God's character, after today, when you get in that vehicle and God's speaking to you and saying 10 and 2, that's just to remind you to keep your grip on him and follow his lead. Disclaimer. I ain't telling nobody to go nowhere driving mad, angry, upset. If any of those things you find yourself in them positions, you need to get yourself together before you operate a motor vehicle. I felt like I had to say that because I'm, I'm okay. Basically, I'm just telling you that to be, you're going to be reminded that your faith life is at a 10 and 2 position that's just holding on to God. Securely holding on. And as Mr. Ashley ministers this song, I want you to take an action. The pieces of paper that you have in your hand, you're going to bring them and lay them at the altar. And with that action, you're saying that you're releasing that care into God's hands. You're visually seeing yourself walking taking that step, that forward motion, that step, the beginning to begin that process of trusting in that area. So when that situation or those things arise or come up, you're going to remember that action you made. Of God, I said I was giving this to you. Help me. Help me in this area. Help me. That's all I got, y'all. Just allow this song to, to just flood your spirit. And at any time during this song, you can lay it here. Amen. But leave it. Amen. Amen. Leave it. He wants you free. He doesn't want anything in between you. It's up to you to remove those challenges. You have to do that. You have to remove those obstacles and make your way free. Amen. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you. If you would like to help us further expand the vision, simply text the word GIVERTM to the number 41444 or visit us online at www.revealingtruth.org. Now remember, Jesus loves you.